your business acumen kind of actually began when you were in high school and your dad wanted you to get a job. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. that was where it really kind of you began really, for you. you. You know, Levi. So yeah, my dad was giving me a really hard time my freshman year in college um, because I had never had like a, an actual job. And it was not because I was privileged or entitled. It was because I, all I did was play tennis and all I did was practice. And so it was very hard to have a job. So he said, this summer you have to get a job. Like, like he just laid down the law. And um, I got some interviews and, and, and actually got a job at Papado's, uh, waiting tables. Oh, Italian? Or yeah. uh, Cajun food. Cajun food, yeah, yeah uh, Cajun seafood. I had to start waiting these tables, I had to memorize this huge menu. It was nothing that I wanted to do. All I wanted to do was play tennis. And then uh, I recognized through a friend that, you know, a lot of people in our community spend a lot of money at country clubs paying for lessons for their kids to go to summer camp, tennis camp, or, or women's leagues, or private lessons. And I was like, well, I can teach tennis as good as anyone. I've, all I've done my whole life is play tennis. So I literally, like, create a flyer, went to Kinko's, put, made like 500 of them, or maybe 1,000, and put them in every mailbox in my neighborhood. And like the next day, I started getting phone calls. And so my dad came home from work, and he saw me out. We had a tennis court, so that's important to know, in the backyard. And he saw me out there, and he's like, what happened to I thought Blake? you were supposed to be working. Yeah, and and, he, and my mom was like, he is working. And he tells me he's making five times as much per hour. Oh, my gosh. And so that was my first entrepreneurial venture. So you saw then what, what <laughs> Scripture describes as you being the tail or being the head. And you're like, I'm not going to be the tail. <laughs> I'm going to be the head. I'm going to get paid. And, and then also finance a passion. Yeah, so yeah. That was what I love to do. Right. And it was I was good at. I mean, there were a lot of people, you know, that could do the other job I was going to do, but this was what I was good at. I love kids. I love teaching people. Which sort of since seeing this as your first job is a seminal, I think, trait about you that is is amazing. And especially in our our day today where it's like how do I get my million dollars by 30 and cash out and be done? But then it's like what then? I feel like if you are lucky enough to be able to match your passion and your and your and your talent to something that you find meaningful in the world, um, it's it's truly one of the greatest gifts and joys in your life. Incredible. And I've been able to do that at different stages in my life. And frankly, I didn't know if I would get to do it again until recently. I feel like there's this this almost like ridiculous dichotomy where either we choose success by whatever you know yeah. you would define that yeah. as or you're going to make a difference yeah and what i like about you and it's so refreshing is this idea that you've had this revelation actually the more i'm successful so long as my heart's right and i made the right decisions the more i'm actually going to make a difference because of my success and i feel like this is such an important conversation and i really want fresh life our, our church community and our larger podcast audience to understand that it's not bad to want to be successful. Sure. And, and God actually wants that. Totally. And it, to have this small thinking, you know, zero-sum pie mentality, where it's like, no, no, if I'm, if I'm blessed, if this is big, that's what's wrong. No, the, but the revelation that the greater the blessing can be, actually the greater good I can do. So the more I give, the more I'm living. Yeah, and when the opportunity is, is the more that you are blessed with success, 
And there's so many different definitions. We could spend a whole other hour talking about really what are we talking about when we talk about success. But if we're being specific, commercial success. Yeah, commercial yeah. success is like, then that gives you a bigger platform to do bigger things. So much of what I think Tom's has done is inspired hundreds and maybe thousands of other businesses to corporate giving or a one-for-one -one model into what they do. No doubt. And it's given me a platform. So I actually think of our impact isn't the 88 million children we've given shoes to. It's actually all these other businesses that have committed their business. Subway. Exactly. Gap. To giving back. I mean, just at Warby on, Parker. On, I mean, you name it. All, you know. all the list goes on. Okay. So from there, of course, the Driver's Ed company, you rethought that. And I like the trend, honestly. You never invented anything new. No. You looked at tired things and breathe new life into them. Well, what I found, I mean, specifically in the driver's ed business is like, this has been around for, you know, as long as people learn to drive, right? I think so much of being an entrepreneur or, or looking at the world with kind of a fresh perspective is not necessarily thinking of some huge, big new idea. It's just how do we take things we're already doing and making them, you know, better? Yeah, I've heard it called Vuja Day. Oh, I haven't heard that. You know, deja vu is, I feel like I've seen that before. And vuja day is trying as hard as you can to pretend like you've never seen it before. Oh, that's interesting. So how would I we like do that. driver's ed if we'd never had done it? How would yeah. we do shoes if we'd never done it? How would we do laundry at college if that's it had great. never been done vuja before? Day. And that's, I think, or that could be that's, that could be the sequel to your book. Yeah, you know? that I mean, might be the next title. So then, of course, comes... Uh, the trip back to Argentina, yeah. back because you had already been there amazing on the amazing race, race yeah. which you know is in the, in the in the spirit of what you had just said. Another chance to learn. Of course, so many people watched four minutes <laughs> this close, so close, right there. But I think it's pretty interesting to think that you may never have started Tom's had you won. No, I think that that's. I mean, you know, there's a great Garth Brooks song that says, "I thank God for unanswered prayers." Wow. Right. And I think that there is uh, so much of that is, is just absolute truth. Like we have these desires in our life. We think what we know, we pray, we, you know, and we, and we, and we really hope this. And then sometimes when things don't happen, we look to God, we look to around and we're like, why, why me, why not? But you know, there's a bigger plan. And yeah. if I had won the amazing race, I definitely wouldn't have had the ambition and the drive that I had to go on and do these other things. And especially Tom's. Yeah. I mean, I think my sister and I would have like probably taken that money, invested in real estate, and you know, gone on with our life. But instead, you know, I was still hungry, and uh, and that led to you know an exploration. So you end up in Argentina. You're you're playing polo. You're kind of put around the city, wanted to see it because you went through it so fast on The Amazing Race, sure. you didn't get to see much. Yeah. You stumble across a girl who's raised a bunch of shoes donations from people. She's gone, can I have shoes, can I have shoes, can I have shoes? And you're watching her give them out to kids who need them? No, I, I, when I met her, she was there were actually three women that had been doing this for about two or three weeks, had gone to get collect slightly used shoes, like a shoe drive, you know, like we might the traditional get, mission trip yeah, kind of a traditional, yeah. you know, and, and so she was doing this and I was like, I was like, wow, like I had just for the past couple of weeks so, seen so many street kids without shoes. And in my mind, I'd been thinking like, Hey, why are these kids not in school? Why do they not have shoes? Um, and, and, and that was my first like experience with like some pretty intense poverty just outside of the city of Buenos Aires. And so when she told me she was doing this project to help kids get shoes, I was like, oh, like, 
thank goodness someone's doing this because like I've been thinking this like the past month as I've been in, in, in and around the city. And so, you know, I always like to try new things. I mean, that's like the thing that I would say if there's one thing that's been consistent in my life is like I, I never miss an opportunity to try something new. And so I was like, look, if you need volunteers, I'll go. Like, I'll help. I'll put shoes on kids' feet. Why not? Like, and so she let me go and I had the experience. It was, a, it was an absolutely beautiful day in this town, Los Pilitonis. Um, the, the kids, their, their parents, everyone was just so joyful. I mean, you would have thought it was Christmas Day. And like, we weren't even giving new shoes. We were giving like you shoes, but right. these kids were literally like as if this no, was like- And they didn't always fit, the, right? Yeah, this is the greatest gift ever. And so that, that experience is what planted the seed that made me know and experience the joy of giving in such a raw and intimate way. Yeah. You have this idea of selling them. Well, actually the, the reason I had the idea was actually a very important uh, question that someone asked me. And so I feel like sometimes in life, like, you know, it's like there's sometimes that God is whispering and sometimes he's shouting. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like this was a shouting moment because what happened was, is I felt great after giving these kids shoes all day long. And I came back to the polo camp where I was staying and my, my polo teacher is named Alejo. And I was telling him at dinner about this awesome experience. And then now these kids were going to go to school because they had shoes and that was needed for the uniform. And he listened and he listened and he said, man, he said, I think it's amazing what you've done in my country today. Like most people would come on vacation and they wouldn't even think about doing something like this. So he started with, this is amazing. He said, but I have to ask a tough question, I think, because what's gonna happen when those kids wear out of their shoes? Wow. You're going back to California next week. The two women that I met were from the UK. They're going back on, on their, that, this is a volunteer vacation for them. Like who's gonna give the kids the next pair of shoes? And if you really care about these kids being in school and they need shoes, like what's gonna happen? And so that question, like when I went to bed that night, like haunted me. Like I went from thinking like I did something really great that day to feeling like am I just doing something that makes me feel good that actually is exasperating a problem in this horrible situation where these kids can't afford shoes because giving them one pair is not gonna help them. So the next morning when I woke up, Every morning, my ritual, we did it this morning, is have some really great coffee. Yeah. I usually write in my journal, and I was writing in my journal about the experience of both enjoying giving the shoes to the kids, but also this question that Alejo asked. And that's when it kind of hit me in a shouting way. It's like, you're an entrepreneur. You've spent the last, at that point, I mean, I started my first business at 18. I was 29, 11 years. You've learned how to build businesses to solve problems, whether it's driver's education or whatnot. Why, why think about this in a charitable or nonprofit way? Why not start a business where every time you sell a pair, you could give a pair and that way it's sustainable. So the kids get the shoes every three months as they need them because you're continuing to sell yeah. shoes every three months. Yeah. So that was and really- And you're focusing on the same areas. Yeah, right? that was the original the original idea of Tom's. The reason Tom's exists today was literally me coming up with an answer to Alejo's question. Yeah, yeah. and as, as it's been said, no one no one needs a 316th inch yeah. drill bit. No. They need a hole. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. And so they're buying the solution to a problem and, and, and sometimes it's a problem they don't even know they have. Yeah. So in you bringing that realization, okay, people in America would likely buy this shoe. So that's a good business opportunity because sure. it's a different shoe. At that yeah. time, style Skechers hadn't knocked yeah. it off yeah. yet. Yeah, it was, it was totally unique. Yeah. yeah, and 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 then also the chance to do something good. And again, we're at this intersection of uh, 
you know, I don't have to pick one. I don't have to pick being business to make money. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. Yeah, no. But I, or do good. Because a lot of people would say, well, come home and start a nonprofit. Yeah, exactly. But I think for me, like, it backs up even, like, if I really dig deep into this, and I have in my journals, is, is like, you know, like, I remember, like, hearing of these amazing mission trips right and like people going to africa and cambodia and these like far off and like i kind of always wanted to be indiana jones sure. like that was like if i was if i had a career path if i wasn't gonna be a professional tennis player i wanted to be indiana jones but but i think the thing is is like i would hear of people coming back and sharing in the church that i grew up going to about these amazing trips and these transformative experiences and and at the same time the missionary or the person who goes on a mission trip seemed like a very like different path than being an entrepreneur or business person. Like they were like, they looked different. Like, you know, they had beards and they looked like, like they were like, like living on the land. And then you looked at like people who I knew who were kind of the business people giving money to the church. They had suits and ties sure. and clean shaved. And so to me, like it was always like this, this total diversion. And I think it was, in Argentina, and especially after I came back to California and I started realizing like we could actually build a business and help people at the same time, that those two worlds really collided. Yeah. And that's like, I feel like sometimes like, you know, you in life you hope it's a, it's a huge privilege and blessing if that happens to you where where kind of something that your your soul and your heart is yearning for collides with something you're good at. Yeah. And those two things collided when I was 29. Well, I think more people need to find permission and find expression for that to happen yeah. as a way to honor God and do good in the world by thriving and excelling. And that, I mean, cause I've, I've listened to you work out the math because, uh, when you ha when you started it up, you had enough money to buy 4,000 pairs of shoes. Yep, exactly. And so, okay. So, and a traditional thinking is, well, if you want to help 4,000 kids and just give those 4,000 shoes away. And had you done that, great. that'd be all it is. Yeah. Those 4,000 kids would have shoes. Yeah, but no, I had, you know, I had like 40,000 bucks and like, that was like, pretty much all the money I had in my name at that point. And people assume, by the way, you hear Tom, you, you know, you Google it, see, you know, what's been estimated to be worth. They, they assume you had some, you're flush with no. cash, you know, big silver spoon, whatever, <laughs> whatever, $40,000. That was it. I mean, that was like, and that was including not just the cash I had in the bank, but the potential credit lines on my credit cards. Right. So if you really think of like cash in the bank is probably half of that. And, and so when I thought about like, okay, how do I help these kids? To if I would have, like you said, if I would have just raised money or donated, that would have been it. But now we've given 88 million shoes away. You know, I mean, if I would have started back then and said, I want to help 88 million kids get shoes and I'm going to go raise money, no one would have given me half a billion dollars to do that. Okay. You know, so it's like that's the thing that's so amazing about when you create a social enterprise that is for profit and helping people that it can, if it does scale, you know, sometimes it's great even if it doesn't. Like I always tell people all the time, like had Tom's only benefited a couple hundred kids every year and I kept going back to Argentina and got that joy in my life and take my parents and my friends to go, it would have been all worth it. Yep. Like it doesn't have to become some big business to be meaningful in your life and meaningful in the people you're helping. But if it does, to think about like, you know, that we've, we've literally given a half a billion dollars away it's unbelievable. in terms of shoes and eyesight surgeries yeah, we'll and get clean into that water. In a but but so. to think about that, because I think in scripture, you know, Jesus has these parables oh, of, of the I talents. Know. Come on. Yeah, and, exactly. And what you're talking about 
is it's fine to give away 4,000 shoes and that would have been yeah. fantastic, but you created a return on investment and in what yeah. God gave to you and yeah. put in you that has been able to compound and compound and compound. And I mean, that comes straight from scripture. I mean, it's, it's like, it couldn't be more clear. All over the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Principle of multiplication from the beginning to end, be fruitful and multiply, yeah. multiply, yeah. multiply. And I think God wants us all to think along those terms. And again, you know, People have for years done buy one, get one free sales. Sure. And you're just the first to come along and say, buy one, get one free. And the second one's not going to be for you. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be for someone and, else. And we take that for granted now because yeah. like we mentioned, it's 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 very widely done and widely spread. And, and it's good. A rising tide yeah. lifts all ships. Totally. And I think you're going to honestly get on in history as being someone who introduced a whole new way of doing business that has been in a good way you know, copied all helped over the place and helped yeah. a lot of people in that you've helped people see business as a different possibility. But at the same time, it also, I think, has brought about businesses who are using this more of a, as, a, as a sales gimmick sure. than as a core model yeah. and a, a philosophy of, of, of doing it. So what would you say to, to the, the, you know, the, the business or uh, the, the entrepreneur who wants to now pivot yeah. and bring about this and sure. have it come across not as gimmicky but also but as authentic so my wife and i have a uh fund in which we invest in social entrepreneurs and it's one of the great joys of our life since we have been blessed that we can you know be the early investors in so many organizations and we have a very specific criteria and that is that the the giving element of the business has to be integrated at the core of why you exist it cannot be a marketing experience. Yeah. And so I think if you are a company that you're thinking about pivoting and or incorporating giving into your model, I it's better to not do it at all unless you can do it like full tilt, like yeah. fully fully engaged because customers will understand the difference. Yeah. And I think the other thing is is that because so many companies now have, like I get all these pitches of businesses and sometimes I tell a business like, "You know what? You have a great idea here. I would not incorporate a giving thing." Like if you want to be really philanthropic after you make some money then that's great but like it's trying you're trying to put two things on top of each other seth godin i don't know if you read any of his books so he has this book called meatball sunday right it's like we all like meatballs we like sundays but together that's that's not a good you know sometimes like when people try to incorporate giving into their business model it feels like a meatball sunday feels forced so what i always say is like really really look at like if you're creating a business because you have a passion to make a difference in a specific area and that business can help, then I, I say go for it. But if you're trying to add that in like as an ingredient, it doesn't work. Yeah, it, people people can smell that. Yeah, and yeah. It, just, it just doesn't work. Like yeah. just build, there's nothing wrong with just building a business, yeah. making money, and then if you are making money, being philanthropic and being generous with that. Um, but the businesses that incorporate giving that really thrive, that do well, are the ones where it's just like integrated in. What I respect so much is that you committed to it before there was proof of concept. You committed <laughs> to it before. I mean, sure. you, yeah. you didn't say, okay, we're going to sell a ton and when it's profitable, then we'll give a ton away. You said, no, one in, one yeah. out. Yeah, and that's, that's in. the yeah. name. From day one. Buy a shoe today. Yeah. Give a pair of shoes tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. And, and of course, the, the company Tom's is shortened for tomorrow's shoes. Yeah. And Thank you idea. for clarifying that because yeah. most people call me Tom. And I spend so much of my life trying to explain to people that tomorrow's was the name of the original shoe. And then it became Tom's. Right. So we're buying a shoe. We're, we're giving one out tomorrow. Tomorrow's shoes, Tom's. But you didn't make money for years. No. And I think that was what was really, really blessing to years. me. 
But you gave from day one. Day one, yeah. The shoes were going out even when there was no profit. Even when we were losing money. We were losing double money then. <laughs> so how many years? Three years. Three to, years. To get profit. Yeah, three years until we broke even. And especially it was painful in year two because we were growing. So we were needing more capital to grow. But then we were also losing more money because every time we sold a pair, we actually had to make two pairs. But the truth is, is we, we, we saw a light at the end of the tunnel. And, and look. I mean, in the earliest days back in Argentina, like we didn't even know we were creating a business. We yeah. just thought we were doing something cool, something fun, something interesting, a reason to come back to Argentina, something that felt good in our hearts. I was running the you know, online driver's ed company at the time. Right. So, so really, um, it was never seen as a business until the point to which it was so clearly going to be a business. And then it was really just a matter of, can we hold on long enough until that, that curve when the inflection point happens and you can actually be profitable. But I'm sure during those early years, it would have been easy you know, to, to fudge with it. But you held that line from day one. Yeah. This is how it's going to be. And I think that's one of the reasons probably God has blessed as he has, because it wasn't when we see it works, will yeah. be a blessing. Yeah. It was a, from day one. To this is how it's gonna I mean, be. that's the thing. Like, I mean, we talked on the phone as maybe two weeks ago now, and I said, of all the things that are going on in my life now, the thing I'm most grateful for is I actually get to, I've had an opportunity to put my faith in action again. Yeah. And, and and the truth is, in the early days of Tom, that's why I loved it so much, is I, that's exactly what it was. For those three years, it took faith. Like it took a tremendous amount of faith that like if I do the right thing, if I commit to serving the poor, if I do this business's way, we will be blessed, we will be sustainable. Yeah. Hopefully it will be profitable. And then once Tom's took off and we started making a ton of money, started helping a lot of people, got all this media accolades, then it was like, it's a, it's like, like okay, where does my faith show up then? Yeah. Like, it's not that it's away, but it becomes more of a compartmentalized thing. As many people, you know, it's like it became like part of my Sunday ritual, but not my seven day a wow. week ritual. Wow. And so and so just recently, um, I have been able to, you know, re-engage that part of me, which has just been, I think, the reason why I've kind of had this like kind of like you second are, birth as yeah. an entrepreneur. And we're going to get into that. But the um, what you're saying, I think, is so important for people to hear. Because I think there's a lot of people think, you know, in the apartment phase, sure. you know, the Venice Beach apartment, yeah. right, with all the interns pushing the tacos <laughs> out of the way to have a meeting, yeah. you know, garage, of course, as it always goes. And, and they're thinking, if I can just get to here, it's going to be great. Where you're saying, in some ways, it was easier to have faith in the early days and success becomes more complex even than, than failure. By far, by yeah. far. I mean, it was so, it was so easy to live just with a, such a pure heart and such a pure focus before we ever made any money because we were totally dependent on faith. Yeah. And then once you have the comforts of success, sure. then it's like, well, well where, where is that showing up? I think that, that, that translates to church planning so well. Does it? Oh, absolutely. You know, the way, when I read your book, uh, you know, I, I hear you talking about those early days and the fight and the challenge and the bus going down. And it's yeah. like, and I think back to 12 years ago, starting Fresh Life okay. and thinking about our seed days and our early days and running out of money, building out a building and just the fight it took. And it's like, those are the best days ever. And how do, so I think the question is for both of us and all of us is how do we keep the fire in our belly? Yeah even when there is success. Cause we yeah. shouldn't self-sabotage to not sure. have no, success. No, 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 I, Well, I think it's two things. I mean, it's so interesting you ask that question because like, I think that on one part, it's like constantly pushing yourself, sure. surrounding yourself with thinkers and people who are gonna be mentors and challenge you to get outside of your comfort zone. 
But then like, I think as I'm reflecting and I've been doing that so much these days, is like, I also think there's a period sometimes in which God says like, it's a little bit of a hibernation. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can't always be on, right? And so there's, it's kind of like, just like like rest and 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 and, and get ready, because I'm gonna I'm gonna shout again, yeah. like you know, and 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 you need to be energized and ready, and you need to be prepared to kind of put it out there again. So take that rest, but then also yeah. left out second part is take that bite. Yeah, yeah. When the rest becomes you know decades, yeah, yeah. Is, that's called it's called something else. It's called early death, right? <laughs> yeah, so a lot of, a lot of people are, are 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 dead at. At 30, but not buried till 70 yeah, kind of that's, thing. That's, yeah, you don't want to be there. But I do think it's interesting where you can, um, the, whether it's in planting a church or starting a business, everyone I talk to that has built something, their very best memories are when it was the hardest. Yeah. And there's something there. Wow. So embrace the hardness when you're in it. Yeah. Well, I wanted to really just uh, on a personal note, thank you because of what the company has meant to our family. Mm. As I think through all the difficulty of you starting the company, it's such a precious thing to me. And I, I had the chance to tell you about it, but this is my daughter, Lenya, who's now in heaven. And uh, of course, the day we're filming this wow. is six years to the day from the day she went to heaven. Wow. And um, this was her last uh, birthday request. She asked me for a pair of Tom's shoes and I bought them at Jack Surf Shop in Newport Beach. And there I am giving it to her. And then... Uh, the sparkly red oh. that she was wearing that day. I mean, I just remember us making those shoes. I mean, that is just so crazy. I mean, because it's like, you know, as as a company, you just make these things and you hope that people will love them. And to think of this beautiful little girl yep. who loved them so much. So then her sisters all had them on that day. Oh, and so there's her older sister. Wow, she needs a new pair. Yeah, yeah. She, she did. She did. And, and uh, there's, there's a... a a Daisy as well and Livy. So then she, she wasn't wearing them long before. Um, I mean, she busts them out with every look. She's wearing them with a little <laughs> bridesmaid dress there. And and uh, they meant so much to her. We told her all about um, Dorothy and the No Place Like Home and click them together. Click the and, and then the, the real special part of it was, of course, when we picked out the outfit um, that we would uh, bury her in. Um, they meant so much to her for the months until she went home. We found them in her bedroom and they had a Hello Kitty sticker in them. And now you can see, I mean, three months was all she had them, but she, um, she, wore, them every day. she wore them to, to pieces. And, uh, and we think about it when we stand at her grave now and, and no place like home takes on a whole new meeting yeah. because she's in home yeah. where we're going to see her again. And, and so I just wanted to personally, I know you, you've given 88 million pairs of them away to kids who needed them, but not just the pairs that go global do good because yeah. they meant a lot to our family mm -hmm. and they, it was a special connection between me and my daughter. And so I just wanted to, to thank you for that, for fighting for your dream because of the way that, that God used it even in our life. Thank you. Wow. It's just, it, it's, I mean, when you told me that story before on the phone, it was like, after we got off the phone, I just sat there and you, know, you can get so wrapped up in just trying to make something work. Right. And like, even 12 years later, it's like, just trying to figure out like what's the next step and then and, and when you take a moment you say like this beautiful being on this planet for such unfortunately a short period of time it meant something so to her and you were able to teach her about giving back and like that moment at such a young age it's just it's so powerful you know and you just don't think of those things you don't know those things when you're working hard every day trying to make something happen so thank you yeah thank you and you know, there's another connection to our to our stories because, um, of course, as I share in my book, um, Lenya's uh, 
beautiful eyes, um, God used her to be able to give sight. You know, we donated we donated her corneas, and uh, the whole through the eyes of a lion metaphor is about eyes being opened to to new faith, but also these two people that got her each of her corneas, and they got to to see because of them. And and I love our connection because through Tom's eyewear, you guys have been able to help six hundred thousand six hundred thousand people get their eyesight back. Six hundred thousand blind people yeah. have received their sight back. Yeah. Through a pretty simple surgery. Yeah, the, the cataract. Um, I mean, of all the things I've been able to do on giving trips, we've we given about 75 countries around the world. I've been on 40 plus trips in the past 12 years. The 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 most incredible experience that I've had have been in the in the eyesight restoration. And I've gone like in Nepal. I remember this one young woman who had two kids uh, in her 20s. Uh, had cataracts in both eyes, which is really rare. Usually it's one eye goes really bad first. And we did the surgery. I was scrubbed in watching the doctor and like the foothills of the Himalayas, kind of Indiana Jones like, I will say. Come full circle. (laughs) And uh, and, and, and the next, not the next day, but the following day we came back and we took the patches off and we saw her see her two kids for the first time. And it's just like, wow. I mean, it was just like the, the, the doctor I was with, he said, this is the greatest show on earth. And he was like, yes, this is truly the greatest show on earth to get to see a human meet their kids for the first time mm-hmm. just because of a 15 minute surgery because someone bought Tom sunglasses in Jack surf shop. One of my last memories um, with Linya, sadly, was her on my lap and uh, we were um, early morning, I was drinking coffee and I was snuggling her, and I was reading the news. Mm. And I was specifically reading the news of the Newtown shootings. Mm -hmm. And uh, all these funerals were were being planned that week, these five-year-old kids, kindergartners. And I vividly recall, and I read about this in Eyes of a Lion, asking the question, how on earth do you plan a a funeral for a five-year-old? And I, I, I actually remember pushing the question away. I wouldn't even answer it. Like, how can you do that? I, I wouldn't answer to my head because I was holding my five-year-old daughter and I just couldn't even allow myself to personalize it. Well, little did I know that I would be planning my five-year-old's funeral like, within what, days. Within yeah, five, within, six days. Yeah, after that, days, right? days. And, um, and having, of course, had to walk through those waters and have that in common with all those parents of the Newtown shootings as a kindergartner went to heaven in those same days. Um, we and, and this, of course, now connects us to another passion that God has put inside your heart and another fire that's in your belly. Mm. And I think one of the things you're referring to that God has you coming kind of a little bit out of your hibernation yeah. from to shake off and, and, and to shake up the sleep a little bit. And now here's another fight. Yeah. Here's another fight. And, and that is of course, when it comes to gun violence. Yeah. I mean, it's now been four weeks and five days. And it's a, when we're watching this in fresh life, it's another week or so. Okay, later, so yeah. yeah. So, so, but it's been, it's still very fresh but yet so much has happened in the past month that it feels like, wow, like that, that was like a, it seems like a long time ago, but you know, we live in California half the year and Wyoming half the year. Um, in this particular time, you know, um, in November we were in California and, um, and a shooting happened in Thousand Oaks, the borderline bar, 12 people died. Yeah. Um, and my wife, um, called me, I was on my way to work. I was in the back of an Uber and, and I was kind of catching up on emails, which I like to do and, and, and on the way in. And she said, 
you know, this happened literally 15 minutes from where our son goes to preschool. Um, and she said, I'm, I'm not going to take Summit to school today. And then even more disturbing, she said, I don't know if I'm ever going to take him back to school because mm. two weeks ago there was a shooting in the synagogue. And a week before that, there was a shooting yoga. in the yoga studio. yoga studio. And then she said, and did you know that in 2018, there have been more shootings in schools than ever in the history of the United States? Gosh. And, and so she's like, so how can I as a parent feel good about dropping Summit off at a preschool um, knowing that this is you know, 15 minutes from where this happened? And she was very emotional. I was kind of, as we get, like, I was kind of like, she caught me off guard. I was like, da, 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 doing my work, yeah. like, you know, kind of in work mode. Um, and, and, and then she said, you know, someone has to do something about this. And I said, I agree. And then I hung up. And this is where I say sometimes God whispers, sometimes God shouts, sometimes like it truly is a moment where you have no choice but just to be a vessel. And and that's where that happened to me. This moment, I knew exactly what I was risking and what I was doing and what potentially, you know, I was up against. Because when I got the phone with Heather, I felt more than ever in my life like someone was not someone, it was me. And, and, and it was Tom's. And the reason that I had stuck with Tom's for 12 years, even after maybe going into a hibernation phase or feeling like I kind of my best life and my best work was behind me was for this moment. You know, we have a massive community of over 10 million people that have bought our shoes. Um, and, 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 I, and I really just felt with everything inside me that they are standing by ready to take a stand on something that is important. And as far as I was concerned, nothing is more important right now in our country than figuring out how to end this epidemic of gun violence. And um, and I didn't know anything about it, really. I mean, besides reading all these mm -hmm. horrible And you're headlines. not anti-gun. I mean, and I'm not anti-gun, 100%. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I mean, my brother's a big hunter. I hunted as a kid. I have yeah. lots of friends that are gun owners. Like, not at all. But when I, when I recognized at this moment that, like, there has to be something to do to keep people who are not mentally fit from having guns, 100%. then we have to do it. We can't sit here and say, just because this has become politicized, because the politicians have made us believe that you're either anti-gun yep. or you're pro-gun. Like yep. that's, that's not what you this can is. be. You can be either and be anti-gun violence. Yes. None of us are for that. No one, yeah. no one is. And so I, at the back of the Uber, I wrote an email to our CEO, Who's to, our, <laughs> to our board, um, and said, "Look, guys, like if we've ever, if we've ever had an opportunity to really stand for something, now is it. And oh. and we can't, we can't wait. We can't like do research. We can't think about this. Like we need to act. We need to act right now." And I asked him. I said, "Look, like like like, we give a lot of shoes away every year." Let's, let's really look, dig deep into our resources and see what could we do to help end gun violence. And so we came up with something really simple. We had two real things. We said, you know what? We're gonna take basically all of our profit for the fourth quarter, which is the most important quarter in retail. That's a big deal. Um, and we're going to make the largest contribution in the history of the United States to ending gun violence. That's $5 million. Um, and as importantly, we're gonna give every American an opportunity to have their voice be heard. Because what we recognize is, there's all different types of, of people and opinions on on guns. Sure. But 90% of Americans say, and in and, and in the large majority of responsible gun owners say, 
you should have to have a background check. I mean, you go and get a driver's license before you can drive. But right now, you can be a felon, you can be someone who has a mental health record, or you can be a domestic abuser, or even the worst is you can be on the suspected terrorist watch list and go buy up to five AK-47s a day. And the crazy thing, when I was, as I was Googling it, of course, because talking to you, yeah. and you, you know, I actually first seen you on The Tonight Show yeah. was, was when I first kind of saw, saw this come back onto the... And it was funny because right around that time, a mutual friend said we needed to meet and I had just mm. seen you on Jimmy Fallon. But the, the, the reality is that 20% of guns in America are sold without a background check. Oh, yeah. I mean, in, 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 kind. it's not in the... In the, the just, that statistic is interesting. 20% might not sound like a lot, but the 20% that are oh, it's sold... it's one out of five, and that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, but even if you think about the 20% that are sold without background checks, there's a reason why those people don't want background checks, because they have a background that makes them unfit to carry a gun right. and or to use a gun. And so, so when I recognize... So at first it was my wife calls... And I'm just like feeling this like electric shock of like, I have to do something. I don't know what I have to do, yeah. but I know we have to do but something. But God said, that's your fight. It yeah. just it just immediately was clear of like, like we have to stand for ending gun violence. Like, sure. like that just, 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 if not us who, if not now, when? Like that quote came in my mind. And then within a day, because I grabbed people together and just, you know, just like the fire started. I said, oh, like... How how can we end gun violence in a way that will bring people together and not divide them further? Yeah. Because one of my like like the things that have been so saddened by over the past you know four five six seven years is just our country is getting more and more divided on issues that are actually human issues yeah. that we actually if we really just cut out any of what we read in the media or this or that it's like no we we all want our kids to go to school and be safe. We all want to have an environment that, that we can that that will be there for our grandkids and their kids. Like, and so like to know that a universal background check will keep domestic abusers, keep felons, you know, right out of jail. You can come out of jail right now and literally go buy a gun. Yeah. I mean, it just makes no sense. And so when we focused on that, we said, okay, well, it makes it specific. It's one. Yeah, it's just one, super yeah. specific and something that ninety percent of Americans agree on. And that no matter where you can be a very proud gun owner, you can be a hunter and say, look, like. I this, think a lot of Americans actually would be surprised to know that isn't the case. Most yeah, people that, probably that, would assume, that's been a huge part yeah. of this. Is that so many people have been like, "What?" Right, now, I, you, yeah. on some states, some states have background checks, but not at a universal Across level. The federal yeah, level. And, and that's what allows the loopholes with online purchases, gun show purchases, things like. And this. so we all wanted to help, but you've made it very easy for anybody to make their voice heard in that way. Yeah. So so literally, and this is one of the things that I was, you know, when I was on Jimmy Fallon, I got very emotional. And people have asked me, like, why was it such an emotional moment? And I said, well, part of it was I knew I wasn't just doing to keep my wife feeling safer, but that my wife represents millions of other moms and dads that are hearing about their kids doing lockdown drills at school instead of fire drills. Did you know this is the first time in the history of the United States that the public school system is on record to do more lockdown drills than fire drills? Yeah, that's I mean, if that doesn't like wake you up, and the statistic that there are 300 mass shootings a year, yeah, over 300. We feel like at Tom's and like and right now because there are so many moms and dads that are feeling the same way Heather was feeling. Like we need to create a simple action and one that could be effective on a on you know with our government, with our politicians who represent us. I mean, that's the whole point. So we said, okay, let's create a technology on the website on Tom's.com that in less than 30 seconds anyone 
whether you've ever heard of Tom's before or not. Like it has nothing to do with whether you're a customer or you're part of and our it's completely tribe. free. Completely free. Go to Tom's.com and in 30 seconds you can send a postcard which very few people do these days. Yeah. We don't send a lot it's of a, mail. It's, selling, it's, it's actually, it's real it's actually a real printed postcard with a stamp Someone on it. Someone is licking the thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we said in th 30 seconds or less, you can send a postcard and it will go to your representative. So you put your name and address in the site. It immediately rep it, it knows exactly who your representative in Congress is. It mails them a postcard to them. And the most important thing is it will hit them all in January because that's when they're back in session. We have a new House of Representatives, new Congress. They're going to get there and their offices are going to be flooded with postcards. So we launched this, you know, once again when this is shown, show, yeah. you know, but four weeks ago, but so it'll be five or six weeks. Literally 700,000 Americans have gone to toms.com. Almost the majority of them are people who aren't even customers of Tom's. Yeah. They're just people who want to make their voice heard. And they sent postcards. And those postcards will show up in these offices. They will make these representatives know that this is not something we can sit on anymore. Yeah. This is an action we have to take. And ultimately, it will change the history of our country and gun legislation. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, I think I speak for all of us when we say we can't wait to see what's next mm. and what that what the next phase is going to look like, even as you didn't see this one, but it was that system being set up that allowed this to happen. Sure. And now the exponential growth even of your progression and yeah. your evolution. And so to watch what's going to happen is going to be an inspiring thing. So I'm grateful to count you a friend and inspired to watch you doing what you're doing. And I encourage everyone to, to support what's happening. So thank you. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. For more content, please subscribe to Fresh Life and to my channel on YouTube so that you don't miss out on any of the new things we got cooking up.